all who gather in the holy place and all who call upon the God who saves bless the Lord if your sins have been washed away bless the Lord if you stand only by
Amen. Thank you, Brother Kevin, and thank you, choir, for that wonderful opening. It is so good to see you here this morning in the house of the Lord. If you're a first-time guest, we're honored by your presence. And we'd like to know a little bit more about you. And you'll notice in the bulletin a connection card. And if you'd fill that out and put that in the offering plate or at the end of the service, our pastor would love to meet you. Not only get to meet him, you get a free copy of his best-selling book. It is. It's a good book. You should read it. But we're so glad that you're here today. Any prayer requests that you may have, also fill that out as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and welcome to our services. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for another Lord's Day. We thank you for the privilege that you give us to come before your throne of grace, to exalt and to lift your name upon high. Lord, we know that you are El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. And Lord, we know that under your wings we can find refuge and we can find peace in your presence. Be with those today that are anxious, those that are hurting, and those who are looking for life's answers. For we know, Lord Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, bless our services today. May they bring honor and glory unto you. And be with our pastor as he delivers the message you put upon his heart. And Lord, be with those most importantly today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. May today be the day. Let today be the day, Jesus, that they ask you to be their Lord and Savior. We love you, Lord. We ask these things. You're powerful and you're matchless in your holy name, King Jesus. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Make his praise glorious with us today. Amen. Would you stand with us and sing, Holy is the Lord. I need thee every hour. He is mighty to save today. Let's sing together. Let's stand and lift our hands together in worship. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down.
I don't know about you, but I need the Lord every hour. Every single hour of every single day, we need Him, and we want to seek Him now in prayer. And as we do so, uh, we want to welcome those of you who are guests today because you're here for the Louisiana College Homecoming celebration this past weekend. Thank you for coming home, maybe even, to First Baptist today. We're glad that you're here, and I wanted to just take a moment and say thanks to God for John and Martha Clement who were both recognized as distinguished alumni at Louisiana College this week. You want to give them a, a hand? And as we go to the Lord in prayer today, we want to take to the Lord two very important things that are going on in our church. First is our 10 and 10 emphasis, which is over the next 10 weeks. Uh, starting today, we're encouraging you to give a 10% on top of what you already give, or if you don't give, to start giving so that we can strive to meet budget by year's end. And uh, thank you for those of you this morning who've already said, Pastor, I put mine in today. And so thank you for joining us in that challenge. And then also at the end of the service today, we'll have our time of voting for our deacons for the next uh, year in the church in 2019, electing 10 that will join the other 20 who will remain, uh, making up our deacon body. And that's an important decision, thinking who will best serve our church in those capacities. All of these are worthy people, but who is the Lord leading you to select? And so as we go to the Lord in prayer, those two things are specifically on our mind, but also asking God to continue to speak to us as we move through this service. If you are able, and on the ground floor, if you'll take down that kneeler in front of you and join me in kneeling as we go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, in the quietness of this moment, we thank you for your presence with us. And God, we thank you that you are a God who is mighty to save. Because Lord... Most of us could testify to a time in our life when you were mighty to save us. Maybe we were children, maybe we were teenagers, maybe we were adults, but there is a point in time where we can say thank you. And our life has never been the same because of you being in the middle of it. And so, God, we thank you for that. And that's why we can sing I Need Thee Every Hour because we know what it's like to not have you. And so, Lord, we want you in the middle of every hour every moment, every second of every day. And Lord, this morning as a, a congregation, we seek your face asking you to, to give provision as we move forward into the coming uh, year, concluding this year, moving into the next year. God, provide through us, Lord, so that we might meet budget, fully fund all of our ministries and see you do continuing to do great things through our church. We pray also for your discernment and your direction as we um, elect 10 deacons to join our deacon body for this next year. And we ask God that you would give us guidance and direction. Help us to know who you have set apart for that very important ministry of assisting and being extensions of the pastoral ministry of our church. God, we thank you for um, the people of this body, Lord, and all that you're doing in their lives. Lord, for for people who are, are living out our desire to be first, being focused on you, involved in ministry, respected by peers, strengthened in faith, and transformed by Christ. Lord, that was a modeled this weekend for John and Martha Clement. And we thank you, Lord, that as their peers looked back over their ministry career as missionaries, and uh, Lord, that they saw somebody worthy to honor. And for others who are now at school at Louisiana College to look up to. 
We pray, God, that all of us would every day strive to be who you want us to be. And Lord, I pray for those in this room today, this morning, who have yet to come to a saving knowledge of you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That God, today, they would respond to your Spirit's call on their life. They would not be able to leave here today comfortable without coming to you. Lord, I pray for others who have been seeking your face as to try to find a church home. I pray, Lord, that today would be the day when they unite with our church family, allowing you to do something new and bold and uh, different in their lives as they come alongside and serve you with us. Lord, you are so good. And we thank you for being that in our lives. Continue to show us your goodness through the rest of this service and through all the days of this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amazing love that welcomes me the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving God you're so
And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings in life. Thank you. Have you blessed us, dear God? We love you. We speak of your holy name, dear God. We come here today to worship you. We ask you to give us the knowledge and the wisdom to understand your word. We ask you for your wisdom to take your word and be doers of your word today, dear God. Help those that are in need for your care, dear Lord, that are in sickness and in health. And now take these offerings 
Use them for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love.
worthy. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes we miss Jesus. He shows up and we don't. And we all do it from time to time. It might be in a worship service. It might be in a quiet time where we're distracted by other things in our schedule. It might just be as we're going through life and we come across a person who later on we realize, I missed a divine appointment there. And in each of those times in our life, we miss Jesus. We should never want to do that. Because meeting Jesus where he is and experiencing his presence and work is the most rewarding and encouraging part of life. When you see Jesus at work around you or through you or in you, it is simply exhilarating and we should never want to miss Jesus. In the text for today, we're going to encounter the profile of two people in one story. One worshipped Jesus while one missed Jesus. Our text is John chapter 11, verses 54 through chapter 12, verse 11. And if you haven't already, please turn there in your copy of God's Word. And as the story goes in John's gospel, some weeks previous, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And the amazing miracle had caused no little stir in Jerusalem and in the communities around it. And as a result, the vipers of the Sanhedrin were coiled and waiting to strike. And so we read in verse 54, Therefore Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. And they kept looking for Jesus. And as they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. Jesus and his disciples have gone over to Ephraim to stay. And Ephraim was in a wild, uncultivated hill country about 13 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And Jesus and his disciples found refuge there until his hour came. And that hour would come At Passover that year, we pick up reading there. Jerusalem, six days before Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Jerusalem was a very busy place at Passover, as American cities are at Christmas time. Uh, though Passover itself was just one day when it was combined with the Feast of First Fruits and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it lasted for eight days. And so it was a big deal. And every male living within a 20-mile radius of Jerusalem was required to attend Passover in Jerusalem. And for everyone else, any other Jew, it was a bucket list trip. You wanted to celebrate at least one Passover in Jerusalem. And so every year, throngs of people came into the city of Jerusalem. And they typically arrived in Jerusalem, as John says at the end of chapter 11. They arrived in Jerusalem at least a week earlier or so, so that they might go through the prescribed different types of purification rituals before the feast. And so the crowd started building early on. And in Jerusalem, 
And apparently along the roads leading into the city, the whole country was a buzz about Jesus. Do you think he'll show up? Do you think he'll come for Passover this year? If he does, what's going to happen? The chief priests and Pharisees had made it clear that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it to them so that they might arrest him. Had it been the Wild West, they would have had most wanted posters all throughout Israel with Jesus' picture on it. But since it was the first century and printing hadn't quite been developed, the word was spread. And the word was as clear as any wanted poster. Now, of course, those who were sympathetic to Jesus or had been touched by his ministry had no intention of turning him in. And it was easy for them to play dumb as to Jesus' whereabouts because they didn't know where he was. After he had healed Lazarus, he and his disciples had left, and they didn't know that he was in Ephraim. Well, finally, Jesus and his disciples traveled back to Bethany. And that's where chapter 12 begins. As Jesus arrives at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Well, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, the story of this meal is also told in the Gospels of Matthew and in Luke and Mark, rather, Matthew and Mark. And from those guys, we find out that this meal took place at the home of a man named Simon, a former leper whom Jesus had healed. And it was a joyous occasion, a, a dinner likely in thanksgiving and in celebration of Jesus' miraculous raising of Lazarus. And John tells us something that Matthew and Mark do, however, that Lazarus and Mary and Martha are present at the meal. Well, we read that Martha was busy serving. And it's even possible that Martha had prepared the meal herself. Some have wondered if perhaps Martha and Simon were actually married. But nevertheless, all day the aroma of this wonderful celebration meal had been wafting through the home. And Martha had pulled out her best recipes, Jesus' favorite dishes, and had prepared it for that particular day. And she flitted around the home serving joyfully. And certainly Mary assisted in the serving. Now you'll remember that on another occasion, at another meal, Martha had griped about serving. While Mary had sat at the feet of Jesus' teaching. But she doesn't do that here. Since that time, Martha had learned something about herself. She now knew first when to stop and to enjoy the presence of friends. But she had also learned that... She had the spiritual gift of hospitality and that her spiritual gift was acts of service. 
And so now as Martha served, she wasn't doing it begrudgingly. She was doing it lovingly, worshiping Jesus, celebrating her family, sharing with everybody, serving them. You know, some of us have gifts for worship and singing and teaching. and Others of us have services and blessings of serving. Where would the church be without men and women who prepare the meals for church gatherings? Or without the men and women who repair the church on work days? Or who print and sort and compose materials for events? Martha was one of those kind of people. Some of us give our worship through perspiration. And Martha was one of those. While the ladies served, Lazarus was reclining at the table with Jesus and his disciples. It must have been a large table because if Jesus, his disciples, Lazarus, and at least Simon were around the table, that's 15 guys to feed. And the men were reclining around the table. And the reason it says that is because in those days, they didn't sit up around a table in chairs. The tables were low to the ground and you laid down at the table with your head towards the table and your feet out beyond the table, often leaning on one hand while you fed yourself or drank with the other. And so that's how they are all arranged around this table. And the house was full of joy. I mean, it's good friends, it's good food, it's, it's a good time. No doubt the men talked about the ministry that had happened over the last three years as they talked there. I mean, you had two guys who had been miraculously healed. Can't you imagine them kind of one up one another with their story? Simon talking about, you know, man, man, when I was a leper, I, I was missing fingers. And, and I just went around, I couldn't do a lot of things. And then Jesus spoke and, and all of a sudden my fingers were there and it was amazing. And Lazarus says, man, that wasn't nothing. My body was stone cold dead in the tomb. And I was in paradise. I saw Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I saw everybody. It was, under, it was uh, oh, amazing. I spent four earth days in paradise enjoying it until finally I heard, Lazarus, come forth. And just as fast as I had gone there, I was back in that cold tomb and I got up and I came out of that tomb until they bandaged me, unbandaged me, and I was able to celebrate. And Simon, no offense, but dude, your house is a dump compared to heaven. I can't wait to go back. I imagine they celebrated and traded stories. Remember that time? Remember that time? All throughout the day. And at some point in the evening, Mary was moved. Perhaps as she heard all of those stories, she remembered another story. Of a meal that Jesus had told her about. That particular meal had taken place up north in Galilee. At the home of a Pharisee also named Simon. And on that particular day with that curious Pharisee in his home. As they ate a prostitute came into the house. And that prostitute came in and everybody kind of watched her as she came. But as she came in she walked to the feet of Jesus. Who was again reclining at the table. Intending to anoint his head, she became overcome with emotion at his feet. And she started to cry as she stood there. His feet haven't, have not been, been washed by the host of the home. When her tears fell on the feet, it created such a mess. And so not knowing what else to do, she bent down, took her hair, and began to wipe his feet with her hair. And as she did so, she just once again became overwhelmed with emotion, And so she took that perfume and anointed his feet and continued to wash his feet with her hair and to wipe it and to kiss her feet. And there as Mary was in 
this particular meal at another guy named Simon's house, hearing about the wonderful things Jesus has did, Mary, too, thought, I want to do something like that. And so she left the gathering for a moment and went and got an expensive bottle of perfume, maybe her most treasured possession. And we don't know where it had come from, but we know because John tells us it was very expensive. As much as someone would be paid in a whole year in that day. A working person's wage. And the men still talking, Mary went to Jesus and she knelt and she took the bottle of perfume and she poured it on his feet and she wiped her feet with her hair. Mark and Matthew tell us that she also anointed his head as well. As Mary performed her act of joyful anointing, grateful anointing, there was an awkward silence fell over the room. For one, no one knew how to react to what was happening. But also, a woman never took down her hair in public. And here, this woman was doing that. And a woman never came to the table with the men. And here, she was doing this. But Mary put aside the rules of custom. And as was her custom, she went to the feet of Jesus. And she anointed him. And she worshipped him. The fragrance of the perfume filled the room. And as Mary stood and resumed helping Martha serve, the, it continued to spread because of the perfume on her hair. And the silence was broken, though, by one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? There's always one. Every church has one. Every ministry has one. Why are we spending all this money on this when it could be spent on that? And if the ministry of the church doesn't have one, somebody outside will say the same thing. And you see, the words from the person, the motive for saying such a thing really has nothing to do about that, but more about the criticizer's own unwillingness to give extravagantly for Jesus. The easiest thing to do is to criticize. It requires no courage. It requires no faith. It certainly requires no humility. Criticism comes quite naturally to sinful humanity who put themselves before Jesus. And that's who Judas was. Uh, Judas did not say this because he was concerned about the poor. He could care less about them. He didn't care anything about the worship that Mary was doing before Jesus. He didn't care about any of that. All that he cared about was himself because he was a thief. As treasurer of the disciples, John tells us, he had a habit of taking a little bit off the top for himself. And if Mary had given this bottle of perfume to the disciples, hmm, they could have sold that, got a year's worth of wages, given a couple of dollars to the poor to feel good about it, Judas could have taken a little bit for himself, and the rest could have been used by Jesus and the disciples. No one would have ever known. Unfortunately, one rotten apple spoils the bunch. Matthew and Mark tell us that the other disciples kind of went in and said, Yeah, yeah, Jesus, why, why didn't we uh, do that? And Jesus didn't like what Judas says. In verse 7 and 8, he says, Leave her alone. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. 
Had a family member died, no expense would have been spared on perfumes to anoint his body. Mary and Martha had recently done that with Lazarus. Perhaps even this vial had been bought for that purpose and it was set aside for another greater purpose at some point because they ended up having enough to anoint Lazarus's body. We don't know. But no one, including Judas, would have saw anything wrong with spending thousands of dollars on a dead person. So why should he have any problem with giving somebody a few roses while they're alive? Mary was showing her devotion to Jesus before it was too late. The poor would be around forever. Jesus would only be around in person for a very short while longer. Now, of course, Mary's grateful anointing was misunderstood and criticized. And and that's what usually happens when somebody gives their life and gives their best to the Lord. Others can't understand why in the world they would do such a thing. Why give your life to missions? Why give generously over and above to ministry endeavors? Why worship with such passion? Why spend so much time serving the Lord in the church? Those who are not devoted cannot understand the passion of the devoted. And those who are self-serving cannot understand those who are self-giving. Nevertheless, those of us who love Jesus should never shy away from open, passionate love and worship for Jesus as Mary demonstrated here. Bethany was only two miles from the viper's lair of the Sanhedrin, and so news spread fast as to what was happening. In verses 9 through 11, we read, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. The Sanhedrin puts a hit out. On Lazarus as well. When the best evidence of Jesus' genuine power is a dead man walking, you need to make him a dead man laying once again. In this story, we see several wonderful profiles. Martha serving in worship, Lazarus witnessing to Jesus' abilities. But it's the contrast between Mary and Judas that we're not supposed to miss. Both of these people had the opportunity to be around Jesus an awful lot. Judas more than Mary. They got to see his miracles. They got to hear his teaching. They got to see his character. So I want to consider briefly the contrast of Mary and Judas. When it comes to these two people, who are you most like? You see, Mary focused on Jesus while Judas focused on himself. Mary was self-forgetting, passionate. She was like King David who would not offer anything to the Lord that did not cost him something. She was also like King David who went out, remember one day, and danced before the Lord. And his wife said, oh, how could you be so undignified? And he said, baby, I'm going to be way more undignified than this. That's what Mary was. Undignified. Passionate. All out for Jesus. Mary got lost in Jesus. Has that ever happened to you? You just got lost in Jesus? Maybe in worship, maybe in quiet time, the time just passed by because you were lost with him. That was Mary. Judas, though, was focused on himself. He missed Jesus. He had seen the miracles. He was hearing them recounted. But all he was thinking was, how much can we get today? Which are you most like? 
The one who focused on Jesus or the one who focused on himself? Second, Mary was humble. Judas was prideful. When she came to the feet of Jesus, Mary took the place of a slave. When she undid her hair, she was undoing her glory as a woman. And she laid her glory down at his feet. Judas, though, would bow to nobody. Nobody. To the heart who's never met God, worship seems an impractical and wasteful pursuit. Judas couldn't worship because he'd never been changed. Mary was blessed. Judas was cursed. When we look back on the Gospels, Mary is one of those people we are to emulate. We have the story of her choosing the better thing of being with Jesus while Martha's busy and active. We have uh, also uh, her story about her breaking all customs to worship passionately here for Jesus. But Judas, Judas cursed. When we look back on the Gospels, Judas is remembered for fussing about a grateful anointing. He's remembered for betraying Jesus. In fact, notice that as he's introduced by Judas in verse 4, He's introduced as the one who was later to betray him. And every time the gospel writers write about him, that's what they call him, a betrayer. Ever since Judas' name has been synonymous with betrayer, don't be a Judas. John 12, 5 are the first words ever recorded in the gospel accounts in the story of Jesus of what Judas said. And wouldn't you want to be remembered forever as the person who said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Mary was a blessing. Judas was a curse. I love what Kent Hughes says. He says, if you are not a blessing to others, if knowing you does not make others think of Jesus, if your life seems dry and unprofitable, do what Mary did. Get down on your knees before Jesus and give him your all. Pour your life out before him. What will it be that people will remember you about? When people talk of you now, do they say, man, I love that guy, or I love that lady, or do they say, good night, what's their deal? That's what they said about Judas. Finally, Mary understood Jesus, but Judas missed Jesus. One of the things that I learned in studying for this message was that many scholars think that Because Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching so closely that she understood more than anyone else about what he was going to do. When the disciples didn't get it, Mary got it. She knew that Jesus was going to die for the sins of the world. Therefore, she understood Jesus and on this night anointed him with gratitude. It's interesting, too, if you look at when the ladies go to the tomb after Jesus rises from the dead, Mary, this Mary, does not go. Makes me think, hmm, why wouldn't somebody who was one of Jesus' very best friends not go to the tomb? Perhaps it's because she already knew he wouldn't be there. We don't know that. But she did her anointing before he ever died. Mary understood Jesus. Judas missed Jesus. Mary knew more than she realized. Judas knew less than he realized. And still today, we name our daughters Mary. But when was the last time anybody named their son Judas? 
Proverbs 10, 10, 7 says, The memory of the just is blessed. But listen to this. The name of the wicked shall rot. And interestingly, Ecclesiastes 7, 1, A good name is better than precious ointment. Who are you most like? Who do you most want to be like? The great British preacher G. Campbell Morgan said, I would rather be a successor to Mary of Bethany than the whole crowd of the apostles. How can you be like Mary? Don't miss Jesus. Be devoted to him. Mary was all in for Jesus. Are you all in? Have you been changed by him? Do you spend enough time with him to know who he is and what he's all about and and what he's going to do? Is he number one? If he's not then he's got to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we ask God that you would take this example and write it upon our hearts. Lord, help us to be devoted to you as Mary was. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. As is our custom, we're going to stand and sing a song of invitation that says, He is able. Whatever it is that you need in your life today, he is able as we stand and sing. Would you say yes to the Lord's leading in your life today?